seated this morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome. This, we are a house where the Word and Spirit come together to reveal the power of God. Glory to God. Uh, Friday night we had our first prayer service, and it was, though we uh, only prayed for about 30 minutes, it was powerful. It was a good start. You don't want to overwhelm the flesh right out of the gate. Uh, but we had a great outcome, so impressed with the outcome of how many people came. And uh, we accomplished much, and, uh, and we were able to step over into the Spirit. And, uh, and uh, we'll continue to do that every Friday at 6. If you're able to come, join us. If you're not, it's okay. We understand. Um, but, um, you know, here's the deal about prayer. You don't always get results immediately. Uh, but once we show faithfulness to God, uh, God will actually be here waiting on us. Um, and we begin to start to see some things, and God begins to reveal some things. Um, you know, one thing that I know that we prayed out, or at least began to pray out, was dealing with the flesh and uh, burning out things of the flesh. And, um, you know, the church has got to get the flesh out of the church. And uh, so we started to pray that out. And uh, I know we're not done with that, but um, God's working. So I thank you to everybody that did come. Um, upcoming events, um, October 13th is our family movie night. Um, Pastor Mike, I did talk to him. He's looking forward to that. Uh, I said last Wednesday that he'll be home the following Wednesday, but he actually ended up getting extended. So he's going to be gone another week. Um, and just keep all of those guys in your prayers. Uh, that's a big fire out there. Uh, he texted me yesterday. They had an injury on the fire. Um, as far as I know, the, the gentleman is, is recovering, uh, thank God, but he fell off of a, of a, off of a very steep embankment. Um, and I, I didn't get a clarification if he was a fire. At first they thought he was a firefighter. Then later they thought that, uh, he was an, a, a guy, an electric, one of the electrical guys working on the lines, um, kind of in the middle of the fire area. Uh, but either way, uh, the gentleman had to be uh, airlifted out. So just continue to pray for all those people working those uh, dangerous jobs because uh, they're necessary. Um, but he's planning on being home, you know, but uh, he'll be home uh, probably about another week and a half before he'll be home. And, of course, that can always change in an instant, but that's the current plan. And then October 24th, uh, 25th, and 26th is Brother Randy's uh, Contending Faith Bible Conference in Branson, Missouri. And uh, we'll, um, Pastor Mike and I will be going to that. Uh, if you want the media or if you want to go, just let us know. Uh, we'll work that out for you. I know Zach's already said, hey, get me the, get me the DVDs. Uh, so we're, we're making the list now. And then October 4th is the ladies' shopping trip. Woohoo! My shoes need to be replaced, ladies. I need to go to the shoe stores. I'm just telling you. November 4th. Just, just giving you a heads up. We're going shoe shopping. So, Jesus, I thank you for having shoes just in the right place at the right price. Uh, and then November 17th is going to be our, our family fellowship uh, for around Thanksgiving. Don't know exactly what we're going to do that night, but we're going to do something. It'll be good. Uh, and then December 16th, that's going to be our Christmas fellowship. And I'll go ahead and tell you now, uh, we are going to do our uh, little Santa game, our little dirty reindeer game. That's what we call it. That's what we said on was our dirty little reindeer game. 
so this year, uh, we're going to do um, Christmas, like, decor or ornament, either or. So be on the hunt for that, you know, treasured item. Who knew last year it would be a truck? Who knew? Uh, who knew that that truck would whoo, create such great fun? But it did. And uh, so we're going to do that on December 16th. And then Chris, uh, uh, Christmas Day, that uh, evening, we'll have our evening service, as always. Um, you know, it's, you know, Christmas is, you know, everybody says, oh, Christmas is about family. And, then, and there's no doubt we should spend time with family. But Christmas is actually about Christ. So we should absolutely set time out on Christmas to come and gather and rejoice and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. We know that's not the day he was born. That's just the day we celebrate. That's the day we have his birthday as far as we're concerned. Um, and it's wonderful to just to come and to celebrate. Uh, I think we're going to do a special time of worship that night. That's kind of what's stirring in my spirit. Um, so come join us. And then make plans. And then, uh, I know this is some time out, but we're making provisions now. April 18th through the 20th, we're going to the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. I know a lot of us have been wanting to do that for a long time. Uh, so we're going to just go do it. And then July 8th through the 12th of next year is Generation Life Camp. And there's all kinds of events in between there, but those are the highlights. Uh, and then, of course, as I said, October 13th, that's our movie night. All the details are in the bulletin. Take your bulletins. If you call me and ask me what we're doing when, I'm going to tell you to pull out your bulletin. Uh, <laughs> and then um, we have our meditations for the week, and I'm pretty excited about these meditations. Uh, our in him is super simple, but it's so powerful. Um, it's Colossians 2.6, and this verse says, As you have therefore received uh, Christ Jesus the what? The Lord. The Lord. Not the Savior. The Lord. The Lord. So walk ye in him. Glory to God. So let's confess this together. I have received Christ Jesus as Lord. Glory to God. Uh, so I walk in him. Woo! I do. I walk in him. I walk in him. Oh, we get to walk in him. That doesn't, that's not weird or goofy. It just means we walk like Jesus walked. We act, we talk, we behave, and we even do the miracles, signs, wonders, and healings that he did. Glory to God and greater works. Greater works. Um, our healing scripture, when you look at it, you might think, oh, where's the healing? Oh, but if you stop and you think about it. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And Paul asked this question. He said, what? <laughs> you got to go up and read a little bit more. But he said, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have received of God, and uh, you are not your own? Paul said, do you not know that you're not your own? Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Do you not know that God gave you the Holy Ghost on the inside? Paul was getting up in their face a little bit. And then he goes on and he says, For you were bought with a price. How much do you know we were bought with the precious blood of Christ? Oh, that's a big price. Not only, did, not only did somebody pay for us, but they paid for us with their blood. And it wasn't just to somebody. It was the great I am. It was the great I am. Oh, my goodness. 
and he, uh, he, you know, Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai, he paid for us with his blood. He says, so Paul said, uh, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. How much do you know it doesn't glorify God for us to walk around sick, down, and depressed? It doesn't glorify God for us to be aching and pain and hurting. It doesn't glorify God. It doesn't glorify God for us to have cancer and die of uh, different sicknesses and to have mental illnesses. That does not glorify God. So in order for us to glorify God, that means we've got to get the sickness out. That means we've got to get the sickness out. He said, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. You've got to get up every morning and you guys say, all right, body. You belong to God today, and you've got to evict the effects of Satan out of your body. So let's confess this together. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which I have of God. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in my body. And in my spirit, which are God's. This means I refuse to allow any work of Satan to operate in my body. Including sickness. Glory to God. How much do you know we got to take authority over sickness disease? We have to take authority over our bodies. I, when I was in the office studying and getting ready for service... Uh, I hear more than y'all think I do. And y'all were out there talking about your aches and your woes and your hurts. Uh, and uh, you were talking about your bodies being in pain. Now, granted, I understand most of that talk was because you started to bring your body under, subject, under the subjection and authority of exercise. And your body has responded. But how what you got to do instead is laying down and going, oh, I hurt. Oh, I'm in so much pain. Oh, I can't move. No, what you got to do is you got to stand up in your authority and say, Pain, you must go in Jesus' name. Body, you belong to Christ, and pain is not allowed. You got to begin to work in your authority. You can't be, you can't be glorifying the sickness and the effects of exercise. You got to be effect, you got to be glorifying the one who delivers you from pain. So, Father, we glorify you. We magnify you. We just exalt you on high. Father, we thank you for who you are and all. We thank you for all that you've done. Father, it's a glorious day. Father, many, many, many times we say, oh, it's a rainy day. It's a yucky day. But, Father, I personally love the rain because it reminds me of the Spirit. It reminds me of the promise that the latter rain will be better than the former rain. And so, Father, it's a glorious day, and we receive the latter rain. We choose to walk in the latter rain. We choose to walk in the fullness and the boldness of Christ. We choose, Father God, to move in your, move in your power. And, Father, as we approach you with praise and thanksgiving, as we step over into your glory, as we step over into the heavenlies, Father, we commit this time of fellowship to you. Father, give us an ear to hear, an eye to see, and a heart to receive upon the good ground of the heart. Father, send your angels 
with assistance from on high, with a special message. Send your angels to strengthen, equip, and enable. Send your, message, send your messengers to receive our prayers and our praises and so that they may deliver them on high. Father, may our praises be a sweet incense in your nostrils. Father, we glorify you and we magnify you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you. And Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise as we approach your holy name. And Father, as we prepare to enter into your courts with praise and thanksgiving, coming boldly before you, Father, we strongly and with excitement and with trust and faith in our heart, we come declaring who you have made us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Good morning, Disciples House. Let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to the sin, quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am raised from the dead. Okay, you know what? Let's start over. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's start over. Let's start over. Let's start over. Let's start over. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. Amen. Yes. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer, and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Amen. Yay, Lord Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, everybody got their flesh under? Yeah. All right. Let's put Christ first. Christ our Lord. One, two, three, four. 
Let nothing ever go. 
God, we bow to always keep you first. Our desire is to be obedient to you, Father God. Hear our hearts as we sing to you, Father God. Glory, glory, glory. pray cleansing deep within. Holy Spirit, let us be aware 
of where that cleansing has to happen, and we turn it over to you, Father God, and we say thank you. Thank you for that refiner's fire. Glory, glory, glory to you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. This church bows. This church yes. pleads choice. We make that choice we will be, be free, free of any sin in the world, and we turn it all over to you, Father God. Thank you, Father God.
in the spirit for a few minutes. My spirit's been in distress since yesterday morning. There's just something in the spirit that God needs prayed out, and I need your help praying it out. So uh, as, as you're seated, uh, let's just pray in the spirit for a few minutes and uh, to help God get through what he needs to get through. What, what, let's, let's just help. Let's just pray in the spirit. Morandande mamasuki isuke esu dandande Mande nande mamasuki isuke de esuke ki isuke Sudande mamasuki isuke ende mama Orandande Father we praise you Father we honor you Father I don't know what it is in the spirit but there's something in the spirit There's a stirring there's an unsettling there's a discontentment there's actually a sadness in the spirit Lord so whatever that is, Father, we just pray it out. Y'all keep praying in the Spirit. So, Father, we just pray it out in the Spirit. Father, whatever it is, for your word tells us that when we know not what to pray, that your Spirit gives us utterances, groanings in the Spirit to help us pray out our weaknesses, our infirmities, to pray out when we don't know what to pray. So, Father, we release our Spirit to pray. And, Father, we just seek your face for whatever this situation is. Father, 
Oh, oh, randande masiki isiki i. Oh, randande ah, nande mama masiki i. Thank you, Father. Oh, nananda mama siki isiki i. Oh, randande mama siki i sandande. Thank you, Father. Suku randande masiki i. Oh, nande hasiki i. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Y'all may be seated. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Lord, nanda mama siki i siki i. Thank you, Lord. Lord, nama ha 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 siki i siki i. Nama siki i. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, Shamahaha. Thank you, Father. 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 I was in the right place. Thank you, Lord. Turn to Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel 22. And just as we were praying, I just began to hear the Lord say this. I heard the Lord begin to say, uh, he's grieved because of a lack of prayer. He's grieved because of a lack of prayer. There's many things happening uh, that are happening because of a lack of prayer. And he brought to me Ezekiel 22:30, And he said, I sought a man among them that should make up a hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, for the land, that I should destroy it, but I found none. Many, 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 many Christians... Many Christians are are busy complaining, joking, and mocking our president, and understandably so. Many are complaining about the government. Many are complaining about the evil in the nation. Uh, But they're spending most of their time spewing out the hatred of Satan instead of getting on their faces before God and praying. And God said, I'm, I'm, I sought for just a man, one man, one person, one man, one woman, one, one human being that would get in between him and the nation and would pray and seek his face. Would pray and seek his face. And I'm guilty. I'm talking to myself. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Uh, I've, I've not been praying. Um, like I ought, and, part, and honestly, you know, Jesus told his disciples, we look at his disciples and we go, you were right there in the garden, you were right there with them. But what did Jesus say? He said their spirit was willing, but their flesh is weak. And we are facing in our nation, we are facing a demonic oppression like our nation has never seen, never there is a demonic uh, activity on the land like there has never been. Um, and, and what that demonic oppression will do is it will make you fatigued physically. It will make you physically tired. 
this demonic oppression will depress your mind and make it to where you can't even think straight. This demonic oppression will make it to where you can't keep your eyes open. You'll just be tired all the time. You'll you'll get up. I've had this problem. I, you know, I'll go to bed with 50 things on my list to do the next morning, and I'll get up the next morning, and I can't think of one thing that was on my list. I mean, honestly. Well, what what's the effect of that? You know, and, and many people will go, oh, that's just old age. Well, no, that is uh, that is oppression. That's oppression. That's trying to stop you from doing the things that God has called you to do. Um, and the only way you're going to get through that oppression is by getting on your face before God. The only way you're going to get through that oppression is making the choice to pray. The only way you're going to get through that oppression is to push past the veil of the flesh. In other words, when the devil says, oh, you're tired, you need to say, no, devil, I'm not tired. But, Pastor, that's a lie. My body is physically fatigued. Well, your body may be physically fatigued, but your body doesn't rule you. Let me ask you a question. We're going to take a little detour right here. Let me ask you a question. Talking, I'm not talking about your body. I'm not talking about your physical being in any way. I'm talking about the literal structure that you live in, your house, your physical, literal house that you live in. No matter what it is, doesn't matter if it's, you know, your shoebox because you're starting off in life or if you've got your retirement home or sometime in between, doesn't matter. But let me ask you about your physical house. Uh, how much do you know your physical house will talk to you? You know, you'll have dishes in the sink, and the kitchen will begin to say, Hey, hey, I'm dirty. Hey, come clean me. Do you always respond? No. Well, your grass, how much you know your grass will begin to talk to you? You know, all we have to do is drive by your yard to know that you don't always respond to the grass. You know, that's all we have to do. How much do you know uh, the baseboards will talk to you from time to time because they get dusty and dirty? And do you always respond? No. What do you do instead? You go do what you want to do, right? Most of the time. I mean, sometimes we do what we got to do. We go work and things like that. But when you've got time that you could take care of the grass, time you could take care of the dishes, time that you could do these things, do you always do that or do you choose to do what you want to do? You choose to do what you want to do. Come on, be honest, church. How much do you know you choose to do what you want to do? Well, I know the baseboards need to be clean, but I'm just tired. I want to go bed. And there you go. Well, I know the mo- the yard needs to be grass. The-, the grass needs to be mowed. The mowed needs to be grassed. You- the grass needs to be mowed, but it's a little warm out there, and I just don't want to sweat that bad. So you just put it off, right? Well, here here's here's the question for you, and this is what the Lord was talking to me about right here during praise and worship. He said, if you can make the choice to not listen to your natural worldly house, your physical building, then why can't you make the choice to not listen to this house? Oh, that just stepped on toes, didn't it? It stepped on mine too. Don't worry about it. He, he stepped on mine first. Listen, if you can make the choice to to ignore your physical house, then you can make the choice to ignore, you know, your, your built house, your natural house. Let me put it that way. If you, can, if you can ignore that building, that natural building that you call your home, then you can ignore this physical building 
that you call your body. You can, you can take authority of it. When your body begins to talk to you, you can go, no, I'm not going to feel that way. No, I'm not going to say that. No, I'm not going to respond that way. Uh, the Lord's pulling on me to go pray, body. We're going to go pray. How much do you know uh, your house from time? If you don't take care of your physical building house, uh, over time it needs some maintenance. And, and sometimes, you know, um, we, we had a house that uh, the sink was leaking and we didn't realize it. And it was leaking underneath, and it and it did some floor damage uh, to the point that we had to rip out the floor, and uh, the moisture had gotten down, and we actually had to uh, actually get in there and kind of re-support uh, one of the floor joists because it had gotten too much moisture in it. How much you know uh, that takes some cutting and some beating and some banging and some you know kind of reworking some things. Do you know that you got to do the same thing on your physical body sometimes? you got to kind of get in there and, and root out some issues and root out some problems. God wants to root out weaknesses in our life. God wants to root some things out. But how much do you know your house, your natural building, that physical building, cannot fix itself? It's, it can't fix itself. It needs you to choose to do something about it. Well, guess what? Your physical body, uh, the way that you live your life, needs you, the real you, the eternal part of you, your spirit, to choose to make some, to, to begin to go to work on it. And uh, one of the areas, obviously, that the Lord was talking about was in our, is in our prayer life, in our prayer life. Uh, the spirit of God is grieved because, the, because God does not want to see our nation going through what it's going through, um, but because we won't pray, because we won't get our flesh under control, because we won't walk in the goodness of God. Did you hear me? We're, we refuse to walk in the goodness of God, and uh, therefore um, that causes some challenges. Well, Pastor, what are we going to talk about this morning? Because that was a great pre-sermon. Well, it's going to go right into it. Uh, we're going to talk about um, walking in the goodness of God. Walking in the goodness of God. Walking in the goodness of God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to talk about walking in the glory, the goodness of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Glory to God. I want you to go to uh you know, I didn't write it down. We're going to Genesis. I believe we're going to Genesis chapter twenty two is where I believe we're going. That's where we're going. Yep, we are. Genesis 22. This is the this is the account of um, Abraham taking Isaac up to the mount to sacrifice him as a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And uh, remember, uh, Isaac. 
was a grown man at this point. Uh, and he could have resisted his father, but he trusted in his father. How much, you know, Jesus could have said no to the cross. Do you know that? Jesus could have said no to the cross. Listen, I'm going to have to get you guys talking this morning. I'm going to have to get you talking this morning. How do you receive? Oh, by speaking, by speaking, by speaking, by speaking. We receive from God by speaking. Well, what do we have to say? We have to get in agreement with the pastor and say, Amen, pastor. Hallelujah, that, hallelujah pastor. We respond, we engage. When we engage from our spirit, that means we engage our mouth, and that helps the spirit to flow. So let me ask you again. Do you know that Jesus could have said no to the cross? Do you understand that he could have said no? Do you understand that's why he prayed in the spirit, Father, he actually prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. Woo, Derek's got it. He's quoting the scriptures. Now he's got his mouth moving. Now we can get somewhere. The spirit just connected. Glory to God. Now if I just get the rest of you. All right. Now, he said, Father, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Why? Because Jesus didn't want to go to the cross any more than you want to get on your face and pray. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross any more than you want to count it joy when you're up against temptations, tests, and trials. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross any more than you want to be persecuted by people. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He didn't want to go to the whipping post. He knew what he was up against. He didn't want to go to the whipping post. He didn't want to go before the jewelry. He didn't want to go and get hit and beat and have his beard pulled out. Come on, Derek, is that, could you handle that, Mr. James? Come on, could you handle that, these age of these men of beards? Can you imagine people grabbing a hold of a big old water? Derek's over here sweating. <laughs> He's like, don't touch it. Can you imagine him grabbing a hold of the hair of your beard and just yanking the hair out? Jesus didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do that. Jesus didn't, listen, Jesus didn't want to speak boldly in the temples. He didn't want to speak boldly in the temples. Jesus, I assure you, Jesus did not want to take the whip and toss the temple tables. He did not want to do that. But why did he? He did it because he was obedient to the Father God. And he had the Father's heart. So here... In Genesis chapter 22, we see that Abraham is taking his grown son. Now, remember, I want you to think about this. How old was Abraham when he had Isaac? He was 100 years old. He waited 100 years for Isaac to come along. Remember the scripture said that he, that he, that, remember when, uh, Sarah was standing at the, when Sarah was inside the tent door and the Lord was talking to Abraham about it. Remember, she laughed and she said out loud, she said, am I at my age, because remember she was 90, and I at my age 
whose body is dead and whose husband's body is dead, talking about their sexual ability, is dead, shall I at this age experience pleasure? Listen, and now here she has, she's got Isaac. Isaac's grown up, he's an adult man, and his father is taking her son up the mountain to sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, she's going to sacrifice the son. He's going Abraham is going to sacrifice the son. Abraham is going up here and he's going to go sacrifice. I thought we were talking about the goodness of God. Oh, we are. We are. Because look at, because I want you to get here. So here they are. They're tracking up the, they're tracking up the mountain. By the way, this is the same place that Jesus was crucified. When you go back through the history, it's the same place. Uh, so here they are. They're going up the hill, really, up the mountain, through the woods and all that. And uh, Isaac, who's the adult man, who has to make the choice, because how much do you know? Um, the younger adult Isaac is well able to take the hundred-plus-something dad down. Let's, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Uh, and because, uh, you know, this is getting kind of towards the end of Abraham's life. And so that means that Isaac has to willingly be bound and has to willingly get up on the altar. So he's thinking about this. So here is Isaac, and he's walking up, and he's going. And he even asked his dad. He said, Dad, I'm just summarizing. He said, uh, Dad, he said, um, I see the wood, and I see the kindling for the fire. Uh, and I see the altar, uh, but, uh, Lord, where, where, Father, Dad, Dad, exactly, where is the sacrifice? Where, where is, where is, because he's the only other living thing present. Dad's doing the sacrifice, and Isaac's the only living thing present. If he didn't already know through prayer, he's figuring it out by natural circumstances. Let's just face it. He's figuring it out by natural circumstances. And he's going, um, Dad, this is, I, I'm, I'm struggling a little here. And Isaac gets the altar and he starts to, he gets everything all set up. I mean, he's got everything done. He bind, he's getting ready to bind his son. And uh, the son's going, oh, hmm. Dad, things are not jiving. He said, uh, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said something extremely amazing here in Genesis chapter 2. Oh, dundunde. Ah, uh, say. Look at verse, uh, <laughs> whoo. Look at verse 10. It says, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. His son is tied up. He's on the altar. He's ready to go. Abraham's got the knife. He's ready to take care of business. I mean, he's right there at it. Why? Because he trusted God. And in verse 11, it says, And the angel of the Lord called on to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. I, and he said, Here am I. In other words, Abraham said, Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither. Now, why did he call him a lad? Because until you're the age of 30 under Jewish tradition, under, under, biblical, tradi- under biblical law, 
Until you're the age of 30, you're considered a young man or a young adult. From the time of uh, 12 to 30, you're considered a young adult. Our teenagers never like it. They get all excited. You know, our, our kids that coming up, we've dealt with kids through the years. We were youth ministers for 17 years. You guys know that. And uh, coming up, they'd start to get close to youth, and they'd go, Oh, Pastor, Ta- Pastor, uh, Miss Robbie, Miss Robbie. Back then it was Miss Robbie. Miss Robbie, Miss Robbie, guess what? Guess what? We say what? They said, We're fixing to be a tween. We're pre-teen, a tween. Huh? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I'm fixing to be a tween. In fact, when they get to be like 11 and 12, they say, oh, Miss Robbie, we're a tween. You know, a pre-teen, a tween. We're a tween. And uh, then they get to, and I go, no, no. And I look at them and I go, no, you're fixing to be a young adult. I am not. Yes, you are. The Bible says that when you turn 12, you're a young adult. No, that's not, that, according to the calendar, I'm a teenager. No, we don't, go, according to the Bible, we live by the Bible, you're a teenager, you're a young adult. So here, uh, Isaac was a young adult, he was considered a lad. Look at how the Lord spoke, to, <laughs> look how the angel, he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For uh, now I know that thou fairest God, or you have a fear of God, seeing that thou hast withheld thy son, has not withheld thy son, uh, thine uh, only son from me. Uh, who's the angel of the Lord? Jesus. Because you notice the angel said, you didn't withhold your only son from me. From me. This is Jesus talking. Jesus appeared to Father Abraham. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up a burnt offering uh, in the, in, instead of his son. Now, verse 14 is the verse that I wanted to get to because we're talking about the goodness of God. And Abraham called the name of the place. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Did you know that the very place that Jesus was crucified is the place called Jehovah Jireh in the Old Testament? Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? Jehovah Jireh, you know, we, we love to sing about, oh, Jehovah Jireh. And we, in, in our language, we go, oh, what does Jehovah Jireh mean? God, my provider. The Lord will provide. God, my provider. But really, Jehovah Jireh says so much more than that. Jehovah Jireh technically means the God who sees and provides. God sees ahead of time and already provides your provision. When things come up in people's lives, the Lord told me, because I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know how to counsel people when they're in distress and something happens in their life. And the Lord said, well, that's real simple. And I said, okay, what do I need to say? He said, this ain't no surprise to me. He said, tell the people, it's no surprise to God. It may be, the situation may be a surprise to you, but it's not a surprise to God. Why? Because he's Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who is constantly looking ahead and constantly providing. How much do you know that's God's goodness? That's God's goodness. 
And if you understand that God is Jehovah Jireh, why do you carry the care? If you know that God is Jehovah Jireh, he's the one that sees ahead, why do you carry the, the stress and the anxiety and the worry? Why? 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 God's already got it. When the devil comes and says, what you going to do? What you going to do? You go, I'm not going to do anything. What do you mean you're not going to do anything? Because Jehovah Jireh is already on the scene. Jehovah Jireh is already on the scene. Oh, my goodness. Jehovah Jireh is already there. The other wonderful name that we love to call God by is the word El Shaddai. Oh, God, El Shaddai, the God of what? More than enough. Y'all don't, oh, listen, y'all know, y'all, mm-mm-mm. listen, y'all are not paying attention to the names of God well enough. The God, El Shaddai, what is his name? The God of more than enough. Technically, his name is the all-sufficient one. Technically, that's what, uh, that's what El Shaddai means. El, meaning God, Shaddai, meaning really, technically, if you want to get right down to it, what El Shaddai means is Almighty. So every time you see the word Almighty in the scriptures, that's the word Shaddai. And so when you see the Lord God Almighty, you're saying the Lord of more than enough, the Lord God of all sufficiency. Now we're talking about the goodness of God, right? Go to Second Corinthians. Go to Second Corinthians, um, verse twelve. Not Jeremiah. Keep going. Come on, girl. Get in the right part of the Bible. Let's get into the New Testament. Second Corinthians. Chapter 12. Now here, just some are just getting to the point. I'm just hitting the highlights so we can get to the key scriptures. Save us some time. Here in chapter 12, Paul begins to talk about uh, that he gets caught up in the spirit. He's having this revelation. He's having this vision. He doesn't know if he's there physically or if he's just there in the spirit. He says, um, I knew a man in Christ. He was talking about himself talking about himself, and he has all of these revelations of God. And people are exalting him. Uh, why? Because Paul keeps having revelations. Listen, when you start to walk in the goodness of God, people are going to lift you up on a pedestal. Listen, listen, they're going to because they're going to see that you have a connection to God. Why? Because you're walking in his goodness. But here's the deal. Don't take credit for it. Give God all the glory because it's not anything in you that's wonderful. It's God flowing through you that's wonderful. And that's the whole point that Paul made. Paul said, yes, I have all of these revelations, but it's nothing, uh, it's nothing to be glorified. I'm going to show you why he says not to be white. It's not to be glorified in just a minute. I'm going to show you a scripture that the Lord showed me this morning, and I about fell out of my chair. I about fell out of my chair when I saw it. This isn't it, but I just about did. We'll go there next. 
But notice, he said down here in verse 17, he, or in verse 7, I mean, chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he said, and least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. In other words, he said, don't lift me up because I have an abundance of revelations. Because with an abundance of revelations, because of an abundance of the goodness of God, did you hear me? Because of the abundance of the goodness of God, this situation happens to Paul. He says, says this, because of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, many people have said that he had an actual piece of wood embedded in him from the shipwrecks and from the whippings and all of that. Some people have said that he had some weird eye disease because of something he had said in a prior scripture. Some people have said, I just wish I, I, wish I could figure out what that thorn was. Well, I'm going to tell you exactly what the thorn was because Paul tells us what the thorn is. He said, I was given a thorn in the flesh, comma, that means what he's fixing to say is directly connected to what he just said. He said, a messenger, a messenger, David would have called this thing an evil angel. Did you know in the, did you know in the book of Psalms, David actually prayed, Lord, send an evil angel after my enemies. He actually prayed that. He actually prayed, Lord, send an evil angel. He said, Lord, send the devil. David didn't understand how God and Satan and the, de and the devils all worked. He didn't understand that the devil didn't work for God. We know that the devil doesn't work for God, but he actually said, God, send an evil death, an evil angel. <laughs> this would be, this would be uh, one of David's evil, evil angels, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. He sent Satan, because, here's the deal, because Paul was walking in the goodness of God, because Paul was walking in the revelation of God, because Paul was doing what God told him to do, here come a little devil, and it just poke at him constantly, just cause him, he get, that little devil jump off of Paul's shoulder and go over here and whisper into some religious person's ear and get that person all torn up at Paul and now that person wanted to kill Paul. I mean, and then that little devil jump back up on Paul's shoulder and go to the next person. Why? Because, yes, we love to praise Jesus. Every era of salvation has godly angels assigned to him. Do you know you have a, a legion of angels assigned to you to go work on your behalf? We have, a, we have a legion of angels. I send my angels out. Go, ministering angels. Go and cause me to have a favor with man and God in every situation of life. Go, minute. Listen. I'm telling myself. My angels stood watch at my door the other day when we were all at the lake. See, normally we go out the mudroom door. Well, that particular morning, we were carrying all the big stuff out and that what have you. And uh, I took the stuff to the rail, and then I went down the stairs so that Mom could hand me the stuff off the rail. And Mom came around out the mudroom, and the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit prompted me to say, Mom, make sure you close the front door behind me. But I was, in, uh, but I was disobedient and didn't say it. So... We get everything loaded in the car. She closes the mudroom door. We hop in the car, and we drive. We come home, 
and the front door is wide open and it's been open all day. And we were there. I didn't actually get back to the house till 6.30 that night. It had rained that day. The front door was wide open. And we live on the main road. I mean, we, I mean, cars go by us all day, in and out all the time. I mean, and for some odd reason, I don't know why, but for some odd reason, people like to slow down and drive slow right in front of our house. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if they like to get the dogs tore up or what, but they do. They like to just all of a sudden, and I'm like, why are they doing that? And all of a sudden they drive off. I don't know. But, but here's the deal. The, our, I mean, I walked in the front. I thought, oh, Lord, Jesus, Michael's out of town. This is the exploding bomb. We've been, you know, left, <laughs> left the door open for the robbers. Here we go. Do you know my angel stood at the door all day? All day the angel stood at the door, protected the house all day. The dogs weren't disrupted. The birds, I thought, oh, Jesus, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, the goodness of God, goodness of God. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Anyways, what did I say? We're talking about angels. So he said, so God has, we, we're all thrilled. We're thrilled. I was trying to figure out where I was going. We're thrilled that we've got guardian angels. But do you also know and understand that Satan assigns demons to you? He does. He assigns demons to you. Why? To buffet you. To buffet you, to poke you, to aggravate you, to irritate you, to get you all torn up, to get you tired, to get you in the flesh, to get you in the emotional realm. Why? Because if he can get you in, if, if the devil can get you into the emotional and mental realm, he can get you to not fulfill your abundant life. He can get you there. He said, he said, least I should be exalted above measure. In other words, Paul said, yeah, I've got all these revelations, but I got a devil too. I got a demon assigned to me too. Oh, but look at how Paul tries to handle this thing. Paul says, he said, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Three times he went to the Lord and said, Lord, will you do something about this devil? Lord, will you do something about this devil? Lord, God Almighty, come on, El Shaddai, do something about this devil. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That it might depart from me. Do you know that God is not going to do anything about the devil? He's not going to do a single thing about the devil. Why? Because he's already done everything about the devil that he's going to do until it's time to put him in the pit for all of eternity. He's already done everything he's going to do. Look at what he says. He says, and this is, this is God. This is God's response to Paul. God said to Paul, for it said, in verse 9, it says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. That means that God's grace is it's all the power, might, and ability that you need. God's grace is all that you need. Well, does that mean God's grace is just going to, that because of the grace of God, I'm just going to be able to, with, to deal with the effects of Satan? No. No. Part of his grace is he's giving you his, is, part of God's grace, the Father's grace, is he's giving you his son. 
He's given each and every single one of us, the Father God has given each and every single one of us his son, Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. We have the name above all names. But we don't use that name like we're supposed to use that name. We don't use the name. We don't use the name like we're supposed to use it. Oh, my goodness. And I'm guilty of this. I'm preaching to myself right now. Because at one point in time, I walked in such authority that I felt like I was using the name of Jesus every time I took a breath. But I was walking in the goodness of God, too. I mean, I take authority over my flesh. Say, no, you're not going to do that. Oh, flesh, you better get in line in the name of Jesus. How much do you know the name of Jesus will work against your own body? When, you, when pain hits your body, you don't need to go, oh, I'm in pain. No, you need to say, pain, get out in Jesus' name. I ain't got no pain in Jesus' name. Jesus whipped pain. Jesus whipped poverty. Jesus whipped depression. Jesus whipped anxiety. Jesus whipped every issue in my life. Jesus' sufficiency is all I need. There is absolutely nothing that you cannot accomplish in the name of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Now, I want you to go to, um, ooh, this is going to mess with you big. Go to John 10. Oh, this, this is the verse that I about fell out of my seat on. Oh, my goodness. Is it John 10? No, it wasn't John 10. I didn't think it was. Hold on. Why did I write that down? It was not John 10. Hold on. I'm going to find it. Give me just a minute. Because I about fell out of my seat when I opened my Bible to this scripture. And I went, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Tell me it ain't so. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was Mark 10. Mark 10. Go to Mark chapter 10. Oh, boy. We love. Oh, we love the goodness of God. Oh, but look out. Look out. How much, you know, Jesus said, in order to gain your life, you're going to have to lose your life. In order to gain life, you've got to lose life. In other words, you've got to decide, you know, what's important to me is not important to me unless Jesus says it's important to me. At some point, you got to, you know, I was raised, uh, and my mom too, so that's why she raised me this way. Um, I was raised that family is everything. I got news for you. God is everything. But I was raised, family was everything. You know that Jesus told, um, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, Satan has no handle on me. No handle. You know what it means if you have a handle? Zach has a handle. We all have, we actually all have two little handles. We actually all have a lot of handles, but one of Zach's handles is his hand. How much you know, if I, if I have a hold of his handle, I can lead him around anywhere I want to take him. Anywhere I want to take him, I can lead him. Why? Because I have a handle on him. But how much do you know? Without a handle, let's talk about this door right here. Well, not this one because it's got a lock on it. Not that one because it's got a lock on it. But that one over there, if you're on the outside and you want to get in, uh, if you, there's no way to get a hold of that door without using the handle. And you can't open that door without a handle. But here's the deal. 
you've got to get rid of all of the handles in your life. Because every handle that you have in your life, the devil will grab a hold of it and open it. One of the handles in my life was my family. And so Michael and I, we had made the commitment we were going on with God. We made the commitment we were serving him. We made the commitment that we were going to do what God told us to do. And we were doing it. But every time we turned around, because family was first, every time we turned around, there was a bomb in the family. Every time we turned around, somebody was having some dramatic drama. Somebody was. Somebody was sick. Somebody was dying. Somebody was suicidal. Somebody was in an accident. Somebody was going to the hospital. Something was happening every time we turned around. Somebody was having a fellowship, and they required our presence. Well, we got to the point where we just we finally just told them. We said, listen, and here's the deal. Family always wanted to do the picnic family day on Sunday. They wanted to be at the lake by 10, not 10 11 o'clock at the latest. You got to get there at 10 o'clock, no later. Otherwise, you miss all the good spots. Well, if we just said, look, we're not missing church. We'll be there after church gets done. Well, what time's church get out? Well, if the spirit don't move, we'll be out by noon. Well, we'll done be eating by then. We'll go ahead and eat. And if there's leftovers, we'll eat them. If not, God will take care of us. Well, eventually they figured out, well, they ain't ever going to show up till the food's half eaten anyway, so we're just going to quit inviting them. Well, praise the Lord. But they still called us for drama. And uh, and then uh, and weddings and all this other stuff. And uh, Michael and I went rolling into uh camp workshop which we did several about a month to six weeks before camp and i mean they're they get there early and they do dinner and then they do the meeting and da, da, da. well we come rolling in the meeting already started because we've been dealing with family junk and all of this stuff and we had to go over here and do this and on the way home we got to go down there and do that and then we got to get up here and do this and i mean we was just running ragged and, uh, you know, we're just talking to the Lord. Lord, something's got to give. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. God will speak to you through godly connections. There will be people in your life that God will connect you to, and you'll just know in your spirit that's a God connection down on the inside. And you may only see these people or talk to these people a few times a year, but, man, when they speak to you, man, it just does something for your life. So we're in the meeting. We're handling the meeting. We've got the dogs with us. We're trying to deal with all of that and everything. And, Standing at the, Mike and I were, got everything settled, and uh, we were standing at Bill and Sandra's door, because uh, we're in his lodge, and we're standing at the door of their room just talking, and all of a sudden, Bill begins to tell us about his mother, and he said, I tell you what, he said, you know, I've got other brothers, and they help mom and what have you, but I live the closest, and, and this, and that, and the other, and I tell you what, mom has a need, she'll pick up the phone, call me, want me to come right now, and every time I turned around, I was having to go to her house. He said, there were times I'd no sooner get home and she'd be on the phone before I even got home. Want me to come back and do something else for her. He said, finally, he said, I realized this woman is running me ragged. Don't get me wrong, I love my mama. He said, but I finally looked at mama and said, mama. He said, really, the Lord got a hold of me. And the Lord said, you're never going to fulfill what I tell you to do as long as you're running around for your mama. That's what he told her. Or what the Lord told Bill. And so Bill thought about it for a while and thought, how am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do? He had to make a decision. He said, folks, so finally I said, well, Lord, I'm going on with you. He said, I know my mama's saved. She's born again. She's going to heaven. I'm going on with you. 
And half the stuff she calls me for doesn't have to be done right then. So uh, he said, I went and I sat down with Mama and I said, now, Mama, you know that I love you. And you know that I'm happy to come do stuff for you. And, I, and that's fine. I'll come do stuff for you. He said, but I'm going to do it on my time, not your time. He said, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to make a, every time you think of something that you want me to do, write it down on a list. Make a list. And when I have time to come, and I'll come regular, when I have time to come, I'll come and I'll do everything on your list. And he said, and I finally just put my foot down. And he said, it took her a few phone calls because I'd say, well, what do you want me to do? And she'd say, oh, I'll tell you. No, tell me what you want me to do. Well, I want you to move this item from over here to over there. Well, Mama, that's not an emergency. I don't have to do it right now. Write it down. And he got. He said, man, it saved so much time. I had so much more time for God. And when he said that, man, that just dropped down in me and Michael, and we just went, oh, we've got the same handle. Oh, no. So we started making it. We went home and talked to Mom. We started making it. So we made the decision. I'm talking about me living. I'm talking about walking in the goodness of God. So we made the decision that we were no longer going to just, when the phone call came in, we weren't going to just jump and run. In fact, my dad was in the hospital just last week. And uh, he was in the hospital. He was throwing up. This is the last time he had these symptoms. He was having a heart attack. I checked down on my spirit, and I said, nope, there's peace in my spirit. I'm not going. And my sisters were getting all in a tizzy, and I said, y'all, I've got peace in my spirit, uh, and I've already told Sherry to tell Dad, unless that changes, I'm not coming. I've got him covered in prayer. Everything's going to be fine. Well, it turned out that he wasn't getting, from our estimation, the exact care that he should have been getting, and my one sister woke up without peace, and she went. But I still had peace. So I never went. Why? Because way back there, we made the decision that we weren't going to just jump and run. Well, when he ended up in the hospital, and Pastor Mike's gone, which means he can't fill in for us, fill in for me or take over and just handle everything. So had I had to go to Kentucky, had I had that, said I still had that handle on me, then I would have gotten, then I would have reached out to the whole church and said, uh, y'all have two choices. You can do the picnic without me, or we can postpone the picnic, but I have to go to Kentucky. You, you gotta make some choices. You, you see what I'm saying? So here we go in Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. And this, and Jesus said, answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left his house. Look at this. If God tells you to move, move. But if God tells you to stay put, stay put. We've lived that out. Oh, man, I begged and begged and begged and begged and begged and pleaded God. Let me go out to Oklahoma to Bible school. He said, no, I went taught by the Holy Spirit. Got trained by the Holy Spirit. Things were getting rough. I went, whew. Begging God to let me out of my church. Begging God to release me. Begging God, Father God, please let Michael and I move to Oklahoma and serve Brother Randy. Oh, we'd be so blessed. We don't need a pulpit. We don't want a pulpit. We'll be happy just to serve him in the office. Just That's where I, I mean I'm happier than a pig in, in slop if you just let me be behind the scenes and working and nobody know anything about what I'm doing. That just makes me happy. 
I mean, I was pleading. I was begging. Oh, please, God. Oh, please, God. And God said, stay put. He said, stay put. Okay, Lord. And uh, so, so, yes, if God tells you to leave, then leave. But if God tells you to stay, stay. But look at what he says. He said, there is no man that have left his house or his brethren or his sisters or his father or his mother or his wife or his children. Now, that does not mean, that doesn't mean that you're married with children and you get a hold, and God gets a hold of you. And you go, that's it, wife, that's it, children, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm, y'all are on your own. No, what it's talking about there is if you're called to be a traveling minister. You're called to go and do works. How much you know Reverend, Brand, uh, Re- Reverend Randy Greer has raised the entire time that Randall has been growing up, Brother Randy's been on the road. He's been on the road the entire time. But he talks to his son on the phone every day, uh, probably multiple times a day when he's home. He takes good care and attention to him. He raises him right. He's got a good wife that does right. So, you know, uh, basically what God is saying is if you'll remove these handles. And there's a lot of ministers that do this. There's a lot of ministers. You know, I said we were raised family first. You know, uh, it's interesting. Do you know that people, family, friends, whatever, church members, you know, they don't want the pastor at their fun times. Why? You think about that. Why do they not want the pastor at their fun times? Uh, because they're being fleshy, and the conviction of God comes on them simply because, I mean, the, the pastor can be present. And the pastor can be just being nice and cordial, not saying a word, not bringing God up at all. But simply because the pastor is present, oh, this is uncomfortable. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Y'all, y'all do good. Y'all, y'all, y'all gotten there. Y'all gotten there. You're getting there. Glory to God. And why are you getting there? You're getting there because you're maturing in the things of God. He said, uh, he said, there, you know, no man's going to leave his father, his mother, or his wife, his children, or lands for my sake, for my sake and the gospels. Now he's not done yet. He said, but he shall receive listen if you'll cut the if you'll if you'll say lord you're more important than these things than my houses than my lands than my stuff than my people i'm really surprised jesus did really jesus did when he said brothers and sisters this meant friends when it says brothers and sisters it means your friends how much do you know even the sinners have oh this is my brother this is my basically what they're saying is this is my sinner brother that's really what they're saying. Oh, you know, the sinners, cause why? Because sinners want sinners to sin with them. So they're all like family. Listen, I grew up with a house full of sin. <clears throat> and uh, everybody that hung out with us was family. Was family. I'm not picking on Jackie at all, but every time, I, for, for the longest time, I thought Jackie had this huge, ridiculous, overwhelming, big family because it was aunt this and uncle that and aunt over here and cousin over there. And I come to find out that none of them were related to her for the most part. There's like five out of like 50 people that were related to her. I thought, okay, six. I looked at her and I said, listen, you're going to have, if they're not physically related to you, I need you to quit saying aunt and uncle because I am confused. I am just confused. 
How much you know? We make people family that aren't actually family. But check this out, verse 30. He said, but he shall receive uh, 30-fold, 40-fold, 50-fold. No, this is one place. This is one place that you are 100% guaranteed a hundredfold return. A hundredfold. A hundredfold. Oh, my goodness. He said, and, how, and he shall receive a hundredfold. You don't even get that off of your giving. Do you know that you'll receive an increase from your giving? But sometimes it's a 30% increase. I mean, 100% of the time you're going to get an increase. But sometimes it's a 30% increase. Sometimes it's a 60% increase. Sometimes it's 70, 80, 90. Sometimes it's 100. Sometimes it's 110 or 120 or 150 or 200%. But not every time. But here he said, oh, but here he said, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in what time? This time. Not down there in, not, not down in the far by and by of heaven. In this time, God pays employment wages when you choose to serve him. He pays employment wages. Now, in this time, you're going to gain a house. Come on. Houses. Come on. Houses. Right now, I'm living in a shoebox just trying to get along, Pastor. That's all right. Be obedient. Follow God. Do what he says. And in due season, you will have houses. Well, God... That's just, that's, that's, oh, that's blasphemy. God wants you humble. God wants you poor. I mean, Dad Hagen used to say this. He said, I believe that growing up, he said, and I, this is what he said. He grew up in the Baptist congregation. I'm just saying what he said. He said, I think the Baptists pray this. Lord, you keep them spiritual. We'll keep them humble. Talking about not giving them any money. Keeping them broke. Keeping them broke. No. Listen. God does not want you broke. God wants you to have houses. 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 Multiples. Multiples. Houses. Brethren. Brethren. Friends. Yes. When you come into Christ, you're going to go through a lonely, isolated season. But in due season, he's going to bring you brothers and sisters. He's going to bring you friends in Christ, through Christ. He's going to bring God connections to you that are going to be more and better than you've ever had. Listen. Oh, Listen. If you will be a doer of the word, you won't have to have lying, manipulating friendships as your only friendships anymore. If you'll be a doer of the word, you'll get the promises of God of brothers and sisters, friends who are close to you in Christ. Oh, Sunday. Ha. Oh, Lord. Glory to God. Mothers and children. Oh, brothers and sisters, mothers and children. Lands. Listen, if you're fatherless, I got a whole front row, well, with the exception of one, I got a whole front row in this church that are parentless for the most part. For the most part, father's dead, mom is 
Dad, Mom is dead. Dad has just now been starting to connect. Mom and Dad are alive, but struggling, walking a totally different walk, walking, walking a totally different walk. His dad's walking the right walk, but he's just now, but, but, but they're just now connected. Just now connected. Listen, God's going to bring you fathers and mothers. He's going to bring you people. Glory to God. Oh, and he's going to bring you, look, 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 look. Not only are you going to have houses, but you're going to have what? Lambs. This is the words of Jesus. His sufficiency is more than enough. Oh, buckle your seatbelts. It's about where I fell out. You're going to have all of it, and it's going to be awesome. But it's going to come with persecutions. It's going to come with demons poking at you. It's going to come with Satan coming against you. It's going to come with hardships in life. It's going to come with things that are going to come against you. But, 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 glory to God, we've got one thing that nobody out there in the world has. We have the name, authority, and power of the name Jesus Christ. We have that authority. We have that power. We have that ability. When that devil comes against us, we can go, Ah, Satan, get on out of here in Jesus' name. I ain't taking it from you. So how are you going to walk in the goodness of God? I'm so glad you asked. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Come on. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Come on. Well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. We're New Testament. Well, it don't change. The Word of God doesn't change. Come on. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming the time. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Chapter 28. I don't know about y'all, but it's getting toasty in here. Woo. Come on. Verse 1. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass if thou shalt... What? Hearken. Listen. Well, I listen to the word all the time. Oh, but it's not enough just to listen. Come on. Listen. Hearken diligently. Pay close attention. Pay close, close attention. Hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God. For what purpose? To observe and to do all of his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high, far above. Come on. It don't say far, but it should. He'll set you on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Walking in God's blessings requires obedience. Well, I thought walking in God's blessings meant we had to walk in faith. Faith is obedience. In the Old Testament, you don't find the word walk in faith. They did this by faith. In fact, you don't see, you don't see anywhere where it says that Noah by faith built the ark. You don't see where it says that Abraham by faith trusted in God. You don't see where it says by faith Abraham took Isaac to the altar. You don't see where it says that, um, uh, that, that Jacob, by faith, had 12 sons. And that you don't see where it said, by faith, Joseph led Pharaoh's land. You don't see any of that. 
You don't see any of that. What you see is Noah obeyed. Moses obeyed. Abraham obeyed. Joshua obeyed. Isaac obeyed. David obeyed. Elijah obeyed. Elisha obeyed. That's what you see. Obedience equals faith. You need to write that down. Obedience equals faith. If we will obey, then we will have the goodness of God. How do you walk in the goodness of God? You obey his commandments. And here's the deal about obeying. Oh, but pastor, it's so hard. Oh, it's so hard. I had a conversation with Brianna the other night, and she said, it's just easier to let my flesh do what it wants. It's just easier. And I said, no, it's not. It's not any easier. Because when you let your flesh have what it wants, then you have to deal with the consequences, and the consequences are not easy. It's not easier. You know, and uh, then I was, I was in here cleaning, taking care of the house of God, which is therapeutic for me, and uh, it's good. And uh, I, was, I had David Ingalls on, and, uh, oh, I love him. He's a psalmist. He, sing, he preaches by the, just, I mean, he just sings the scriptures. That's what he sings. And then all of a sudden, I heard a phrase in one of his songs that I don't think I've ever heard. Any, ever, I don't think I've ever actually heard this phrase. And he said, and these words just rang out in my ears, in this, the, the lyric is, what are you going to do? What are you going to stay? Basic, basically, I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but the point is, if you take the easy way, what are you going to say when you stand before Jesus? If you take the flesh easy way, what are you going to say when you stand before Jesus? Well, Jesus, I know that you paid the price. Well, Jesus, I know that you gave me your authority. Well, Jesus, I know that you gave me your fruit, uh, your spirit living. Jesus, I know that the Holy Spirit, your spirit lives on the inside of me. Uh, Jesus, I know that that the Holy Spirit leads and guides. Jesus, I know I have authority, power, might, and ability. But honestly, Jesus, it was just easier to let my flesh rule and reign. Uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a good choice. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a good choice. I don't think that's a good choice. Verse 2, and he said, And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken, uh, hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Bless, look at what he said. He said it again. He said it again. He said, If you'll hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall thou be in the city, and blessed shall thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. Uh, And that's not just talking about your children. That's talking about everything that you work to produce. Uh, And the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of the sheep. These are, listen, he's given you four different kinds of businesses. Every one of these is a business. The fruit of the ground, the fruit of the cattle, the, fruit of the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep. Those are four different businesses. It's biblical to have multiple businesses. It's biblical. Why? Because God wants you blessed. Uh, blessed shall thou be in the basket and in the store. God wants you to have bank accounts. 
He wants you to have multiples. I got multiples. Thank you, Jesus. You're filling them. Thank you, Father. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that... Wait, wait, wait. Jait said you're going to have with persecution. Jesus said you're going to have persecution. But over here in Deuteronomy, God said that if you'll be obedient, if you'll be obedient, it says that the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. Do you know that Jesus told us that if we believe we'd cast out demons? Do you know what it means to cast out? It means to evict, to evict them. In other words, in the name of Christ, if we're obedient to use the name, our enemies will flee from us. If we'll be obedient to use the name. He said, oh my goodness, they shall come out against thee one way and they shall flee before thee seven ways. I've watched this happen. People that have demons don't like to get around me. They don't. Why? Because I know my authority. I've got in the Word. I put my nose in the Word. I found out that I have power. I found out that I have authority. I found out that because I am in Christ, when I speak the name of Christ, it's like Christ himself speaking and demons flee. Woo! Man! That make you grow an inch right there. Phew! I got the name of Jesus. Come on, let's, do, let's go handle this. Come on, let's go do this. Come on, you old foul devils. Come on in. We'll cast you out. Come on. Oh, what happens when, listen, what happens when you lock yourself up with God? All fear, worry, and anxiety gets eradicated. Come on, lock yourself up with Jesus a little while. Come on. Well, Pastor, how'd you lock yourself? Did you dive into the Word? Honestly, I sat. Honestly, I got still and I got quiet and I just sat in God's presence. I didn't pray much. I didn't. I mean, no, honestly, I didn't. I just got still and I got quiet and I sat quietly in the church. Because that's where it's quiet. I don't have dogs barking, birds heckling, none of that. People going by, people call. I just got in the church and I got still and I got quiet. And I said, okay, God, let's work on some things. And the Lord just began to work. And the Lord began to move. One of our problems is we don't get still. That's one of our problems. You need to write that down. One of our problems, one of the reasons we don't walk in the goodness of God is because we don't get still before him. Well, Pastor, I do get still. I sit in my car for five minutes before I go into work. That ain't going to do nothing. Get still. Get quiet and wait for him. Wait for him. Be patient. Wait. Oh, my goodness. Verse 8. If you will be obedient, the Lord shall command the blessings upon thee in thy storehouses. If you will be obedient, God is going to command your storehouses to be filled. What are your storehouses? Those are your finances. He's going to command. If you'll be obedient, he's going to command financial blessings into your hands. Why? Because God literally pays wages. 
that 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 part of um, Jehovah Jireh is the God who sees and actually pays. It's not just provides, but it actually means it, it, in inclusion to providing actual need. It actually also means that he he sees ahead what you need and he pays for it in advance. He brings it to you in advance. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Some months ago, <clears throat> there was an anointing for boldness. And uh, the Lord said, put him in remembrance of that. There were hands laid on, on, I believe, just about everybody for boldness. Acts chapter 4. And... Uh, the Lord said this. He said, put them in remembrance that I have given them boldness. But also, I want to put you in remembrance of this. Now, you cannot pray. Hold your place right here in Acts. I'm listening to the Holy Ghost. Hold your place in Acts and go to Galatians chapter 5. I want to show you something. Galatians 5, verse 22. 522. We know this verse really well. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. So if you have the Spirit, if you are born again, you have love on the inside of you. Especially if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you have an extra dose of it. And uh, you have a, a better ability to walk in it. But you have love on the inside. You cannot pray for any more love. Because all the love that you will ever obtain is in you. You Now you have to uh, develop your love walk. But love is in you. It's shed abroad in your heart. Joy, all the joy you ever need. Joy unspeakable is already in you. Well, I sure don't feel like it. Well, it's your choice to access it. It's your choice to access joy. All the peace, listen to me, you cannot pray for peace. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is peace. God is peace. You have all the peace you will ever need. Why? Because you have God on the inside and he is peace. You have to learn how to access it. You have to learn, and it's a choice, that when thoughts that bring anxiety to come, be obedient, take them captive, bring, don't, don't only, don't only just, listen, you can't just go, I'm not thinking on that. Because the, 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 what the Bible tells us to do is it says, number one, cast the thought down. It doesn't say cast it away. It says cast it down. It means with force, bring that thought to its buckling point, to rock bottom. Cast it and bring it. Take it captive. You've got to cast it down. Bring it to the breaking point. Think of an officer. I want you to think of it this way. Think of an officer who is dealing with a criminal. That officer who is dealing with a criminal that is fleeing, that officer with force grabs that criminal, slams them to the ground, not to injure them, but to stop the violence, 
brings them to the ground, handcuffs them, takes them captives, and brings them into the obedience of the law. That's what you're supposed to do with every thought that disagrees with God. The thought comes and it disagrees. Don't just go, oh, I'm not thinking on that and push it. Because you're not dealing with it the way God tells you to deal with it. You've got to take it. You've got to slam it to the ground. You've got to handcuff it. And you've got to bring it into agreement with the word. So if God says, so if the devil comes along and says, if you're cooking dinner, for example, or you're cooking for the church, I do this all the time. I do this all the time. Why? Because I wasn't taught to cook with measurements. It's like, oh, add some of this, add some of that. Sometimes it comes out great, sometimes it doesn't. And man, when it doesn't, it doesn't. So I've learned to do this. I have learned. Father, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do my part. I stick it in the oven or I leave it on the stove and I go, okay, Jesus, your part, make it good. Because if I don't, the devil will go, oh, that's going to taste awful. You put too much of this and not enough of that and this is going to be a mess and that's going to be a mess. What do I have to do? I've got to take that thought captive, whoosh. I've got to bring it to the ground, capture it, and I've got to bring it into agreement with God. And God says that everything I put my hand to will prosper. Therefore, that meal will be perfect. End of story. Well, I'm praying and I'm seeking God, but what if the answer doesn't come? Shut up, you old foul spirit, the foul, disgusting, lying, gross spirit of hell. Listen, God said if I'll seek him, he'll give me the answer. So I have the answer in Jesus' name. Now shut up and get out of here. Listen, sometimes you've got to talk to the devil like that. Sometimes you've got to call him out and tell him he's gross and disgusting and foul and whatever his problem is, harassing. Sometimes you just got to call him down. We, don't, we should never call people down. We should never call people down. But we absolutely should call the thoughts of Satan down. You hear me? You better get your mouth a-moving. And you better start speaking. I didn't say bob your head. I said you better start speaking. No, you thought it. You didn't say it. No, you didn't. Because I didn't see your lips move. Glory to God. I'll call you out on it. Come on. Anyways. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Oh, I ain't got no patience. You better keep that out of your mouth because you got all the patience of God. You just got to learn to use it. Woo, I got patience. Oh, gentleness, come on. Ain't a gentle bone in my body. I just tear it up. You better change that. If you got God on the inside, you got gentleness. You got goodness. Well, you know me. I mean, I might come. I might not. I just can't ever do make any decisions because I just can't commit uh, no, you can. You've got faithfulness on the inside. Do you have an ability to be faithful? You have an ability to be meek. You ain't got to be pride and boastful and demanding your own rights all the time. Why? Because the meek one lives on the inside of you. And temperance, self-control. Well, I just can't, I can't, I just, man, I just can't stop those sugary drinks. Ooh, I can't eat my meal without having dessert. I got to have something sweet at the end of the day. No, you don't. No, you don't. Ooh, I just, oh, I just, I can't say no to chips. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Oh, man, oh, man, I know those sodas are bad for me, but mm, I just can't go without them. Yes, you can. Why? Because all the self-control you will ever have is on the inside of you. You're just choosing not to access it. 
So you cannot pray for, you cannot pray and ask God, God, give me love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, or self-control, because it's already in there. You can't pray for those things. In fact, when, if, if, if you are uninformed and you pray for something like, oh, I don't know, patience, like my husband and I did, because we, we both struggled with patience. Oh, we said, oh, Lord, Lord, we, we, need, we need patience. You know what the Lord said? He said, yes, minister. We went, uh, this is not what we meant, Lord. Why did he say use minister? Because when you're dealing with teenagers, you have to practice patience. And above that, when you're dealing with teenagers' parents, you really have to practice patience. See, God's going to give you opportunities to exercise these things. Exercise them. And you're going to keep getting the same test over and 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 over until you pass it. And you're going to, and you're going to reach a certain level. And God's going to say, okay, you're doing good right there at that level. Good job. And he's going to let you rest a little bit. And then he's going to say, come up higher. And the tests are going to start over. Only this time they're going to be a little harder. A little harder. So we can't pray for those. Oh, but we can pray for boldness. Go back to Acts chapter 4. I know we're right here at time. But come on. Acts chapter 4. Verse 29. Now, uh, (laughs) Peter and John... (laughs) Peter and John got full of the Holy Ghost, and Peter and John shot out of the can, shot out like a cannon, just whoosh into the things of God. They shot out. They got a man healed, and uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees they were not thrilled with that because it was stirring up commotion. They thought once Jesus died and was resurrected and ascended that that would be the end of it. And now they figured out, oh man, we got 120 of these fanatics now. Oh, now what are we going to do? There's not just one. Now there's 120 of them that act just like him. Oh, my goodness. So they did Peter and John. Guess what? Peter and John came under persecution. Come on. And then they went back to their company. They went back to their church. They went back to their disciples. You see that in verse 24. They told them, we're being persecuted. What's one reason for the church so that when you come in being persecuted, we can get you refreshed, refueled, build you back up, get you refilled with the Holy Ghost, send you back out and say, do it again. That's one reason. So they said, oh, well, if that's the way they're going to handle this, well, we know what to do. We're going to go pray. <laughs> Look at what they prayed. They said, now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Listen, you've got to learn to get bold in your prayer life. Lord, I, I love this verse. I love this. Because people come against me and threaten me or something, and I just look at them and I go, Lord, you heard them, right? Lord, you heard them, right? Vindicate thou me, O God. <laughs> you heard them. But they didn't even pray vindicate us. They said, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, that we uh, that they may speak thy word. Talking about their servants. Let me tell you something. You need to pray for boldness, boldness regularly, and your boldness is going to start with you. Your boldness. Everybody's like, I want to be bold witness, but uh, the first place your spirit's going to be bold is with you. Uh, you need to get yourself under control. You need to fix that sin in your life. 
You need to handle this. You need to handle that. Your spirit will begin to talk to you boldly. And you need to respond to that boldly. And it says, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, uh, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. I'm telling you, the biggest sign and wonder that you'll ever do is that you will change your issue, that you will allow Jesus to change you. It will be. If you go back and you look at who you were before you came into Christ and who Christ has brought you to, uh, man, isn't that a miracle? You are a walking miracle. You are a walking miracle. It says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled. Look at, look at, look at how boldness comes. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they all spoke the word of God with boldness. One way that you're going to walk in the goodness of God is you've got to begin to declare out of your spirit the word of God. Boldly. 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 Now, we're out of time, but other areas of your life that will cause you to walk boldly is in prayer. Another, or, or I should say walk in the goodness of God is in your prayer life. Walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Casting your cares. Being ever vigilant. Basically, what am I telling you? In order to walk in the goodness of God, you have to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. If all you ever do is hear the word, then you will never walk in the goodness of God. If that's all you ever do is hear the word, you will never walk in the goodness of God. Where's that in the Bible? Well, go to James. I'm trying to leave, but, you got, you, but you're pulling this verse. Come on, let's go to the book of James. Get to Revelations, just back up a few pages. Get back there, pass back, get back past Peter, and you'll run right into James. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man hear it, be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Uh, for he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straightway forgetting that manner of man uh, he was. In other words, if all you do is come in the church and go, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, that's right, I agree. And then you walk out the, war, out the door and don't do it, you just you, you totally forgot who you were. We start our Sunday servants, sermons, our services declaring who we are in Christ. And if you don't go out of, out of here ruling as kings and queens in Christ, if you don't go out of here uh, dead to sin and alive, on, if you don't walk out of here and you live on to sin instead of being dead to it, guess what? You're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. But we're not going to do that. We are going to walk in the goodness of Christ. Well, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Brother Derek, if you'll come, prepare to serve the people. We'll do our tithes and our offerings. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Uh, Brother Richard, Michaela, we send our love to you. And uh, we know that uh, God's got a plan. Uh, you guys know they're out in Houston. And uh, just keep encouraging Brother Richard. Help him get into that prayer closet. You know, just like we have a hard time getting our prayer closet, it's hard to get in that prayer closet. And he's got a special prayer assignment. 
So don't forget to lift him up, that he has a hunger to fulfill that um, prayer assignment. And not only does he have a hunger to do it, but that he has a desire, but that he actually responds to that hunger. Uh, and, and we all have that responsibility. We all, I pray that you all have a hunger for the prayer closet and that you all respond to that hunger because it's that hunger that'll, it's that prayer life that will put you over. I know Derek and Zach, they've committed uh, just by their own choice. They, they asked for approval and we gave it. Of course, we're going to give this type of approval. I mean, there ain't no question about it. They said it'd be all right if we get to church about an hour early on Wednesday and just come and pray. I said, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Uh, so they're coming on their own accord. Well, does that mean you have to be at the church to pray? No, no. But there is something about getting isolated where you don't have interruptions that helps you. There is something about that. Well, Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Father, before I forget, I just want to bring this man to you that was injured um, on the fire uh, yesterday. Father, I, I don't know. I did not get clarification if it was a firefighter or a, or a man that works on the electric lines that go through the fire. But, Father, I do know that he had to be hilla lifted out. And so, Father, we did cover him in prayer immediately. And we just thank you, Father God, that your hand is upon him and that you're healing him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And, Father, we thank you that all those associated in his care have godly wisdom, not just godly wisdom, to take care of him, take care of the situation, and that there would be no further accidents on this massive fire in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that because Michael is on that fire, Father, we thank you that your hand and that your provision is there, that that fire comes to an end in Jesus' name. And without any injury, any further injuries, without any further damage. And Father, we thank you for it. And Father, we give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. Father, I did my best this morning. And Father, I just thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's, and I trust that it was received upon the good ground of the heart and that it creates a harvest, Father. And now, Father, we take our God-given authority in Jesus' name, and we bind Satan. Satan, we command you to release and let go the people's finances, their increase, their health, every area of life that you're holding back on them. We command you to loose it and let it go. We command the angels of God to go according to the word and cause, um, oh, Father God, cause the needs to be met above and beyond. Oh, Father God, and according to Jesus, according to the riches of, of God's glory in Christ Jesus. And, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true and that your word is working. Father, we thank you that all the financial needs of this ministry is met far, far in advance. Father, for you know that there's still many things that we need to get accomplished in the building. And, Father, we want to get it done so that we can return to our outreaches. And so, Father, we just give you glory, honor, and praise. And, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Glory to God. You can serve the people. Uh, just so you guys know, Zach came in need. Uh, he, he got down to three tires, and they were all not in good shape. Um, 